0: think you're Superman on that, huh? This do say, baby, I'm riding a boat. What can you do? You can't do nothing with me on that. Beat your bitch ass down. Your legs weak. My hands I know ain't. Your try legs Try hold. Try, 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 try. try me. Try Nigga, I'll knock your motherfucking head off. I wish I would at a nigga. I'll burn. Fuck with me. Why? i beat your bitch ass. you, you going to be fucked because I'm going to chunk your ass downstairs. Yeah. Do it. Hit me first. Nah, I'm not Cause I'm, I'm a, a kid. Why are you doing that? Why we can't just go hands up? <laughs> Cause you a man. I ain't going hands up with no nigga You gonna die. I've had over forty pizzas in the last thirty days. Livy currently, and Mark Shapiro should be in jail. He has no pizza experience. He's never been in the pizza category. I would just say, stay tuned. The day of record will come, (laughs) the record will be straight. Why not set the record straight now? I mean, what is it about the record that's not straight? (laughs) Stay (laughs) tuned. (laughs) This is what you have to understand, though. It's a patriarchal structure. Mm-hmm. And it's not all I've that... I've heard that word before. Yes, which I mean, is... I've heard that term before. I didn't know that term was a thing. Patriarch. Wait, wait, wait. Well, it's like it is structured by the views and the outlook of men. Okay. Uh-huh. And it tends to be, at times, often oppressive. To the women. feminine journey. Okay, right. has the has have females actually tried to explain? Absolutely, to that's why you have feminists. Okay, that's why you have womanists. Because I think that feminists sometimes it can be misconstrued by people who don't understand it as women wanting men to stop silencing them so right. they could silence men. Well, it's not that. Welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast This is your host, Mr. Haberdashery A.K.A. A.Y.O.L.L.S. White A.K.A. Papa Motherfucking John Um, what's up y'all? Um, <laughs> so I laughed through the whole intro So my bad, but this is a drunk Um, a junk podcast, a drunk episode So we're gonna see how we do Um, y'all, I don't um do that well with the I mean they pop they slap whatever I don't know but but I don't whatever so um I started with this thing I saw on social media that I loved it was like um this like mother son just being playful the mom was drunk on Deuce and apparently every time she drank, uh she, like, <laughs> wants to, like, play fight, which I just think is the cutest thing. I mean, it's funny because I saw a lot of shit on social media about it. Like, people saying, no, it's not funny, it's misogynistic. Like, people really intellectualizing it. And what I—not even intellectualizing it, being on the outside— it might look crazy as fuck. Like, you know, a lot of people don't even have experiences with their parents drinking in front of them. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it can be crazy, and I don't know anything about this guy and his mom. But it just reminded me of single motherhood. You know, my like, my mom and me and a lot of other people. I don't know if he's... I don't know if his mom is single or whatever, but I just thought about the sort of how well people like how well i know my mom as a person um particularly when i was younger um like when i was you know like a teenager or even before that it was kind of just like we had a connection that couldn't be reproduced so i just loved it i included it it was funny to me um yo this papa john shit is so funny. Like, it is so funny. I don't know the genesis of it. I don't even give a fuck. Watch it on Twitter. I I know that apparently there's beef in Pizza Kingdom, and I'm here for it. Um, Papa John looked like he got hands. He sounds like he's an alcoholic, but I heard that they might have edited the audio down to make him sound like that, so I don't know. But whatever. Um... Before I get into the shits with uh, T.I., I mean, really, I'm not getting into it. I'm just going to double and triple down, but fuck that. I want to tell y'all some updates. A bitch got an iPhone, y'all. Which, like, oh this... (laughs) Which doesn't matter, but it matters if you know me. Like, my motherfucker does, has always had an Android. Like, I always have. And I've had some phone mishaps. I really only had one phone mishap the entire time I've had an Android. And that was when... Oh, my God. That was when I was in college. I met this military dude at this gay club in D.C. I forgot what it was called. I think it might have been town. Um... And he was like Latino, he was from the Marylands or at least I don't know, whatever. He was from Marylands or in Maryland and I met him and I had an LG phone, which was my first mistake. Even though shout out to LG, it wasn't as bad as, you know, people make LG seem. But I had an LG phone and um he sent me some dick pics or whatever we and we we never actually had sex though because he was like i got creeper vibes like i mean he was just you know how they he was like what can i slap you and i mean i was 20 so no i mean not even 20 like i don't really i don't know like i could i do a lot of shit in the confines or in the context of a relationship Um, but with niggas out, you put your head to me, I'm gonna kill you. Um, regardless. So, he sent me his dick pic, and it wasn't even all that, but whatever. he sent me the dick pic, and the phone replaced all of my unknown pictures with the dick pic. So, like, I remember, um, like, you know how you'll get the question mark, like, if you're playing a song that... You don't have album art for it. It'll be just a just a quarter note or an eighth note. It'll be like just a a music note, though, as opposed to the picture. Literally every single thing that I had that I did not have album art for or like a picture say for a person who called me was a place with this man's dick pic. And then I had to ask someone who was a little young. I didn't have to, but I did ask this kid who was only a couple of years younger than me, but he was a freshman at the time, I think, or a sophomore. I had to ask him to fix it, and he didn't know how to fix it, but he was also in my Christian <laughs> my Christian Bible study group. So it was like I was asking, like, Brothers for Christ to fix, like, the dick pic on my phone. Like, just the whole shit was crazy, and I ended up having to go to the Best Buy that was... Was it in Silver Spring? I don't remember D.C. that well, to be honest, but it was up Wisconsin, sorry, really far up Wisconsin. Um, I imagine that was Maryland. Was that Bethesda? I don't know. But it was Maryland, though, for sure. And I went up, and um, I had to have the guy fix it right in front of me. And I just, you know, looked like I was right, which is my default for when I'm wrong, is act like I'm right and just keep doing it. But it was was awful. But aside from that... um, that was my only Android mishap. Regardless, so now I don't know how to use my phone. So if you hit me up and I don't respond or, like, I call you, I don't know how to turn the call off, it's because I've never had an iPhone. And I'm just doing the best I can. Um, but I have taken care of the crucial things. The first thing of getting a phone is to figure out how to ignore people. Figure that out. Ask my homeboy what the... Um, how to get rid of my read receipts, even though I got rid of them and then they came back because I linked my phone to my computer and I guess, I don't know. So, that. And then, dick pics, so I had to ask my other homeboy, like, how do I, like, where do I put my ratchet photos? But I don't want it to be on the cloud because I don't want it to get hacked. Even though, y'all can hack my motherfucking ass if y'all want. Okay. Well, actually, no, let me start saying that before niggas actually hack me, but like, when it comes to photos and shit, I don't have nothing to hide, okay? You know, I'm I'm out here living. And nobody that sends anything to me has anything to hide, okay? The girls that send me things now... I mean, I had somebody a long time ago send me a video of him fucking somebody else. Which did shock me, not gonna lie. I was kind of like, so that's what we're doing? Silly me trying to get angles together. Fuck it. You were out here sending videos and like the video it was him fucking this guy and the guy started like creaming on the dick and he like brushed he like put all the cream together and pushed it back in. It was like it was it was gross honestly. But I was kinda into of a dog but it was gross. Um anyway so, so. But okay. So welcome to the Boss of My podcast of um, the, the the um <laughs> um yeah, so I mean I'm not gonna talk too much about TI. I'm not fuck that nigga, okay? But what I will say is uh what I'll say is uh that I feel like I think I. This is just evidence of what I was saying before. We have to be careful. Well, y'all, because I already know. We have, a, we as a community have to be careful about who we lift up as a hero. This yo, if you are a woman, if you are a queer person, like this thing is not your hero. Period. And frankly, if you are a black person, a black straight man or a straight man or whatever, and you care about people for real and you care about everybody and you want a humanistic approach to activism, to art, to these things, yo, T.I. is not your, this is not it. And it's not even like, I don't want people to feel like I'm mad at him because he doesn't, well, I am mad there's no patriarchy or what patriarchy is or what it means or any of that. That's disgusting to me. But it's not, I'm not mad at niggas that don't know what the word means. Like there are a lot of people that don't know the word and all, a lot of this way of thinking is born or it was created in a factory. Like, it was created in academia. Like, academia is a factory. It's like, you know, it's not meant to be accessible. So, I get it. I think with someone like him that builds his brand on knowing big big words, being hyper-educated or, like, informally so, but knowing a lot of shit, being able to put you on game, and to not know, to be confused. Well, I heard that that term before. Like, that, No. No, 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 and it's like if you are worth, if you are a multimillionaire, if you are a billionaire, you can fund. That's the thing that kills me: is that these things that want to be smart. You are so rich, you don't have to be smart. You could pay the top sociologists, anthropologists, race and race theorists at any university. You could pay them. Whatever you wanted a year to teach you how to not be stupid or to write your shit for you or to brief you on topics like these professors that are creating knowledge, they don't make money. I mean, they do. But I mean, what do you think they're making a quarter million? Maybe. A quarter million after you get all the benefits. If you if you calculate the benefits of like being a part of the institution, and then yeah, if you write a book, if you do speaking engagements, you can. If you become popular, then you can get a bag. But they're not making a shit ton of motherfucker. You could if you cared about this shit, you could pay people. You give them a salary to keep your ass smart. But you just insist on saying dumb shit and not knowing shit, and then want to be, uh, you know, the leader of our community. No, you can't do that, baby girl. Baby girl, you can't do it. Um. So off that, because like I said, that's not. I just wanted to double slash triple down on you know, rich diggers not being shit and me not really caring about them or being here for it, and like, you know. And it's not even like, I mean, even if I get rich, you know, because I like coins, so I like money. So if I get rich, I want people to hold me accountable and be like, yo, if you don't invest, invest in staying connected to your people, shut the fuck up. That, that's really, and I, I swear. So for all y'all that have been rocking with me, you know, when this when this podcast pop, when my money come in, when you know, I'm not, you know, when shit falls, okay, in the coin, in the wallet, in the cartera, I want y'all to hold my black ass accountable and say if you're not commi- if I don't see the receipts, it's not enough to be like, well, I read. It's, you need to see the receipts of me investing in staying connected. If you don't see that, tell my black ass to, to shut the fuck up and to go do some other shit with my life. Go suck, I am not but other shit with my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, please. Um, so, relevantly, because all this is a tangent, I just wanted to sort of be, you know, for completeness sake. By the way, I do this thing. Is I take um, last word shots. They're not true like last words. I don't use gin. I just do the chartreuse, the green chartreuse, and some maraschino liqueur, which is which is my girl. I love me a maraschino, and then like a, a lime wedge, squeeze it into the shot glass. Maybe mix it, maybe don't. I start out with the lime and then the maraschino and then the chardos, and I take shots of it. Um, I didn't do that many today because I don't. I'm, you know, I just wanted to be, you know, tipsy. Like, you know, I'm chilling at home. I'm having a nice, you know, it's snowy, rainy in New York. Like, I wasn't out here trying to do anything crazy. Like, I, you know, I've been wholesome. And, but I feel like if you get drunk, and you're home, and you're watching TV, and it's cold, that's when you start calling niggas, and hoeing, and you, and you got a new phone, and you don't have dick pics on your new phone, like, I just feel like it's a recipe. Um, so I just was like, let me just chill out and just take my two shot, two or three shots of my, my, well, my shots are always double shots for, I don't have single shot glasses, but I take my double shot glasses and make my cocktail in there. And then I drink some Montenegro, some Amaro and just chill the fuck out. Um, but so I've, I've shared this. On previous podcasts so I've started this and this is a result of the therapy for black girls but a combination of that as a as an inspiration but also just the adage and the good advice that anyone who's navigating love and romance and self-help and all of these things um, should adhere to like making yourself happy, having a fulfilling life, not looking for your relationships to fulfill you, like all of these things. So I've been working on or not even working on, but I've been following a really in-depth thought experiment of you know, a deliberate life of singleness into perpetuity and what if, the, if I would think or move differently, thinking that I would never be in a relationship or never be in a, you know, a permanent monogamous, like, never have a digger, uh, what that would look like for me and would my priorities change and what my sources of happiness would be. Because, you know, although... Like, I always talk about how my experience of being queer is kind of... It kind of feels like I'm moving between gender a little bit. Like, not quite that I am a woman, because I'm definitely not. But it does feel like a lot of the things... It feels like the stereotypes that people apply to women also apply to me like you know how they'll say like they train women to be to think about family I've thought about family my entire life like even as a kid I thought about my children and so I don't know I kind of feel like I've thought about the the next level of happiness being provided to me through family and through legacy and through just raising and kids are raising new adults in this world full of trash niggas and, you know, trash people and just trash, you know, I thought, I've always kind of thought about that. And thinking about this now, it's like, if I'm under the thought experiment of, well, I don't want, I may never be, I well, not even may, I'm deliberate, deliberately not having a relationship, a romantic partnership, would I want to be a single dad? You know, or would I want, like, what are the things that I need? Do I want to be a dad at all? Like, do, how do I feel about things? How do? How would I be a dad? Would I do surrogacy? Would I do adoption? You know, if I choose either one of those, like, how much money would I want to spend? How much money do I need? How much savings do I need? What kind of lifestyle do I want to provide? Do I want my child to be a rich bitch? Do I want my child to just be regular? How black do I want my child to be? You know, and how am I going to provide that aside from just downloading, you know, my experience? But what community do I want to embed my child in? Like, you know, all of these things I would have to solve for on my own. And it's it's been really fun. Like, I've been really excited by the prospect of... Of being deliberately single. And I think just... Because I think a lot of folks wait for... Like, even like, I said this earlier. And even in this podcast, a couple minutes ago, I was like, you know... What the fuck did I say? I said some shit about... In the confines of a relationship. Like, the slapping thing. Which, you know, is right. That's just my preference. But naturally, I do wait. I do put the context of a relationship i permit a lot of things i allow a freedom and a forgiveness and a and just a world's view in a relationship that is crucially different than me as a single person and i feel like that mentality although it makes i mean it makes sense and safety and like i You know, I can't give that advice to people, but that's how I move and how I navigate the world. So, you know, I relate and I support it if anybody else does the same thing. If you do that, you also, though, put certain discoveries or you restrict certain discoveries, certain joys, certain modes of being relaxed and unbothered, unworried. You restrict that to a relationship. And without that then you won't ever experience that. You know, or anytime you do experience it, it's, it's caused recklessness or irresponsibility. And I think, you know, that it's hard to navigate as someone playing with deliberate, being deliberately single or thinking about whether or not they want to do that for the rest of their lives. Um, and even going through this thought has completely I shouldn't say completely changed my life, but it's definitely been something that I've loved the answers. I've been, I love the answers that I found. Um, so, you know, shout out to her, shout out to that. Um, I was gonna, I don't know, how, what am I doing? How am I doing on time? Okay, we have time, bueno. Because I don't wanna just, you know, Drunk Me talks a lot. So I'm like, let me check, girl. Oh, we good. So, um, I wanted to talk about two two more things. One is related to what I was just talking about. So, the other day I came home. And here's the thing. I um, like my job. I like what I do. I'm, you know... There's a lot to that. I'm not going to go down down that rabbit hole of liking what I do because that's a whole other conversation. But what I will say is that sometimes I be tired when I come home. And in general, even... So I have, you know, a passion and I have a job. Um, my passion's are My passion is art, music particularly. But... Beyond that, I have a passion for messaging, um, which I've realized that that's kind of the higher level sort of meta passion. The purpose is really telling, not quite telling stories, but conveying truths. I don't want to like jerk myself off and say some shit like that, but essentially, it's like I love to two messages from one person, one world to another. And I choose music because I love music. Um, But I also like writing essays and poems. And I like talking shit. And, you know, all of these things kind of roll into one. I used to act. I mean, that's kind of how I discovered my artistic impulse as an actor and poet. So shout out to mom for that plug. Um, But regardless... Why was that? oh yeah 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 so um you know the whole but regardless like as an actor as a messenger as you know a server as a bartender like whatever a lot of it's very social and it's very exhausting for me i mean there are people that are extroverted and you know whatever and i'm you know i'm extroverted if i fuck with you but You know, I mean, not if I fuck with you, but if if a lot of things are right, like, it's energizing for me. But in general, like, I struggle with fatigue. And I've struggled with fatigue my entire life because I've also been, I also had trouble sleeping my entire life. So it's been, like, a blend of bad shit. Like, having insomnia, but also... Being fatigued by social interaction and just that, that sort of thing living together, I would be very tired and I think there's a culture of rest and relaxation that, and this whole thing sounds like a tangent but it's not, it's relevant to what I was saying before. There's a culture of rest and relaxation that's like, we must, in order to recover, we must do absolutely nothing. We must be idle. We must, you know, that it is restful to... Do nothing at all. Just sit on your couch and watch some bullshit. You know, you come home, you shower, or you come home, you jerk off, you shower, you watch some bullshit on TV. You may or may not pour yourself a drink, you eat some trash, and you do nothing. And then the next day, if you are granted two consecutive days of rest, which, I mean, is, you know, whatever, um, you rest and you... That day is productive, that day you do your errands because you've had your trash day, your cheat day, whatever the language is. You've had your bullshit ass day, so then the next day you do real shit and then you go back to work. And, you know... What I've realized, or what I'm playing with now that's been very, very beneficial, which is why I'm sharing it, is this concept of active recovery. It's something that you will see in lifting weights. You know, people do a whole bunch of heavy-ass shit. Or, or even, like, a day they're off day, they're still they're doing very, very lightweight or, like, low volume or whatever. They're still engaging their muscles, but they're not, like, doing high percentages of their maxes. They're not, you know, going for... The sort of hypertrophy, whatever, they're not going for like muscle growth in that period. They're just like, you know, regular. And I've been applying that to coming home from work and it's been really good. It's kept me engaged during my rest. During my recovery, it's not just I've not been ice oscillating between active and just completely inactive, like coming home and maybe writing in my journal. Cause a lot of times I write in my journal when I wake up. But honestly maybe writing in a journal when you finish something to enter into a mode that is active but not zero. You know, a non-zero <laughs> mode of like a non-zero like energy value or whatever has it's really I have found value in that. And the main benefit has been that the continued engagement, because what happens, at least what has happened to me in the past, like the sort of blends of fatigue with stress, with boredom or uninspiredness or like trashed people in your life or just, you know, under being underwhelmed. The blend of that would introduce me to either a period of depression or a period of just dissociation where it's hard for me to identify what makes me truly, what brings me joy. Not even what makes me happy like on some you know, grandiose, like, meta, you know, the entirety of my life, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, not even that, just, like, on some, when the last time I something made me jump up and down and smile and laugh and change the joy, the energy reverberated and changed my body to the point where niggas that don't even people that knew me for a while don't even recognize me and I'm so happy, you know, and some, so much joy it's hard to identify that when you have this storm or this like sea of tar that is fatigue stress and boredom living and, you know, you've dissociated and you've you know, lived this sort of rote life like somebody asked me, that's why, I I mean I I did a podcast about this early on, I think it was called A Lot of People Are Unhappy this is why, but it's part of why Um, you know, they there's a sort of sine wave of like dissociation and engagement And they spend a lot of their engaged time giving it to somebody else, like, you know, their boss or, you know, people that are paying them. And then, you know, they can't answer basic-ass questions like, what makes you happy? So, you know, that's just my little tip on that. And then, oh, yeah, so the last thing I wanted to talk about and I'm gonna just read some tweets. Um, I wanted to talk about No Name. No Name is a female rapper who is beautiful. She's this dark skin black girl. Ray. She's very, very smart. She's from Chicago. She was a poet, I think. I don't know how she got her start, but I do know I think the first time I heard her it was on Acid Rap. That was on Chance's mixtape. And then she released an album she released some mistake that I didn't listen to all the way. It was called Telephone. And then she released an album. I wanted to say that was last year. It was called... I don't remember. I don't remember what it was called. It was called Room Something. Fancy Room. Let me look this shit up. Factory Baby. So not... No, Room 25. Room 25, yes, because I make up names, so I was like, fancy room, I mean, I got one word right, so shout out to me, Um, but earlier, she tweeted, earlier this week, she goes, she paints a picture, you know that clown meme where they have the clown face? Um she goes, me consistently creating content that is primarily consumed by a white audience who would rather shit on me than challenge their liberalism because somehow liking Lizzo's music absolves them from racist tendencies. Y'all really pushing the idea that black people can't come to my shows because of black death and financial restraint. As if the baby um Megan and Smino on shows ain't black as hell. Say you don't like my shit and move around. What's funny is most black artists are just just as uncomfortable performing for white majority crowds. But would never publicly say that out of fear and allegiance to the bag. Which isn't a bad thing necessarily because niggas gotta eat. But y'all wouldn't be up in arms if I quit working at McDonald's. When I go to work, thousands of white people scream the word nigga at me and know I'm not changing my art. So it is what it is. And, you know, and then he says, that's real. Unfortunately, I'm not going to keep performing for predominantly white crowds. I have two shows on the books. Then after that I'm chilling on making music. If you if y'all don't wanna leave the crib, I feel it. I don't wanna dance on stage for white people. Whew, child, child. This is some alright, so it's when I read these tweets, I've been having this question, and obviously it's just been theoretical and philosophical for me because I have not popped any motherfucking wear. But I've thought about this as an artist that loves house music. As someone that, you know, loves to be a whole person in my art form. And, you know, I've looked back at my work and i found that a lot of it is not as safe, I guess. Or is like, I am not fully expressing myself. I'm behaving. I'm behaving on whack. You know, I'm not saying... Like, if you know me as a person and you hear me on, on wax, you kind of know that I'm being vulnerable. I'm being... You know that I'm committing to the emotionality of the word. But you know that the words that I'm using, I'm not showing my range. I'm saying like pretty middle of the road in terms of slang, in terms of and I've I've critiqued myself on that as a writer. Like why the fuck don't you talk you don't write like you speak. You have a voice that people recognize when you write, but it's really different. Um so I've thought about this like what if I pop? And white people fucked with my shit more than my, not even more than my own, even if 100% of the people liked my shit, there are more white people than black people, right? So I would have to contend with the sort of racial majority, the racial single group majority. So obviously there are fewer white people than people of color, but, you know, um... But do I want Asians saying nigga to, I mean I don't want really anybody saying nigga be unless you're black. And I really don't even want people that aren't black and African American like black Americans saying nigga, to be honest. But I mean we in the Caribbean we all say nigga so it's fine, whatever. But like, you know, it's kind of just like I'm not I'm not really out here trying to hear like some heavily accented nigga yelled at me either. Like, I'm sorry, but anyway. Um I feel like this is a real problem. It's a real philosophical problem of like the highest order to me. Where you have to, particularly as a rap, so you're doing an art form that is so black. And for her, she's so... I mean, she's an incredible lyricist. Like, I think Rolling Stone last year said she's one of the best to ever do it. Um, it's like to be her and then to have a crowd that's predominantly white. Because white people, white liberalism guilts people into. I'm you know, I, I wanna tell this story, but I feel like I would be fucked up if I told it. So let me just continue on what I going to say, but but regardless, I feel like white liberalism um encourages or lead or leads people to black art, um art that is under I mean it's it's hard, so I wanna say it's underground. But in some ways, it's not. Because in some ways, it's supported by, by pseudo-academic structures. So, like, a lot of no-name stuff, like, although she's doper than dope and I really like her, she is somebody that's supported by Rolling Stone. She was known, at least, to me through Chance. And, these are, and Chance is a darling of white people. A lot of white people like him. A lot of like, you know, these are darlings of industry, media darlings of media. And you she wasn't doing anything counter-cultural. Um, at least especially. So her existence is countercultural, her presentation is counter Her presentation is only countercultural in that it's not, it doesn't follow what people it doesn't follow like capitalist, you know, tropes. Um But regardless, like, she's not necessarily... Some of her stuff is only accessible if you've had a certain type of education, either informal or formal. And that is her art form. And I think when you do that, when you have these sort of pseudo even, like, proto-academic, like, influences, you do run the risk of... Marketing to people of a certain with certain socioeconomic privilege, which in a white supremacist place they're gonna be white, so you can't really be surprised. But but regardless, regardless, I feel like even without that, even if you have like a Megan The Stallion or you're doing something that's like brutal bar, something that's not hot, that's not bolstered by class privilege, but just is what you fucking like. Like, when he did that whole um, Jimmy Jam-inspired album, the last one, you know, but it just felt good and people liked it, so you're going to be performing for white people. But then when you put, like, racially sensitive or just, like, true art in the work, it's like you are giving to people that consume and consume and consume that will never defend you or protect your people or you know that get the point or that exhaust themselves or that even apply themselves to your liberation and freedom so then you have to be like well do i keep saying they in front of these people that will probably go that may potentially i shouldn't say will probably but that are armed with this language now, armed with my perspective. They're armed with... You know how, like, in the Bible, it says, I am i don't even know, I'm gonna make this up, because whatever, but there's a scripture, I think, that says some shit about how the devil knows the word of God just as well as you do. If not better, I mean he. I mean it's something like that. I don't know the scripture, whatever. But the idea behind it is that the devil also studies the word of God. So you have people like the whole false prophet type of thing, people that. Like the chosen horse, like they are espionized. They know the language to get them in the door, and then they're using that access to be your undoing. And when you are an artist that keeps pouring and pouring and pouring, your the the hidden language of the black woman, or the hidden language of the queer black man, the hidden language of the straight black man. Like when you have, when you keep pouring this hidden language into white ears and you know they're not oriented towards defending you or upholding what is right or they may be if they may not but their energy is not the same because they have their priorities are different and their lifestyle is different and they're they are safe they have a safety that you don't so even if they're good people you have just that disparity of safety right you do all this and you keep just dancing for these motherfuckers and then and then what? You know you don't have shit. They had they got a good album and you've armed people that could potentially you've given them the magic language for them to go you know, sneaking on the inside and appear to be allies and just stand and at minimum take up space. Because if you are not like you know how they say if you're not like anti-racist, you are racist. It is like that. And most people that just go to these concerts, they just want to have a good time. But you are the artist that that you did not make this music out of a good time. Unless you did. Like, unless you are Cardi B. Or you just make fun-ass stupid shit. If you make fun-ass stupid shit, but even if you make fun-ass stupid shit, you run the risk of having this white man say nigga in the middle of some fun-ass stupid shit. And then he goes to say "nigga" to the wrong person because your song is your song is a slapper, and he just can't help but say "nigga" because it's the beat is on the you, you said "nigga" off like on the on the downbeat. He now wants to say "nigga" to somebody at a bar, and then he and that you know like you you're doing this, and I just I will spend more time on it, but I wanted to share it because it's something that I sort through and I think through despite the fact that I don't have shit. And I think it's related to a lot of, for me, it, that insecurity, that fear, or yeah, that, that, that discomfort underpins a lot of my interactions racially. And it just highlighted to me that there was something to think through and to work through. And I'm curious to see what you all think and, you know, all of that. Well, have a lovely motherfucking ass week. I I went longer than I meant to um, on all of this. But that's, that's what, you know, chartreuse, especially the green one, does to the girls. Um... You know, I hope all of you that had a good Thanksgiving, I hope y'all, you know, if you're, you know, a bottom, I hope you've taken a break. Um, if you are a girl that's into anal, I hope you've taken a break. Because I know this food was, you know, doing things. And... um Aside from all of that, have a lovely-ass week. It's December 1st or 2nd or 3rd, depending on whenever I release this episode. And I want you to have us a blessed-ass week, okay? Um, I will talk to y'all soon. Just to let you guys know, I am going to take two weeks off. It's going to be Christmas week and New Year's week. I'm going to live my best fucking life. I'm going to be out here you know, doing my thing. If you live in New York City, I'm going to be busking and performing Christmas music, so shout out to that. Um, and I hope to see some of you soon. Love, love, love.